As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Port's on here Friday morning. Allison Lucan is here. Hello. Allison, in a normal year, we would be talking about who looked good at development camp. <laughs> uh, isn't that funny? How free agency, how that how that's played out across the league, which players are still in the market. Instead, we are confronting new dates. Instead, we are anticipating the start of training camp. What? The start of training camp 2.0 on Monday. Are you? I think some players are starting to get sort of recalibrated now that they've been in the rink, most of them. The Blue Jackets have, I think, 30-some players now skating. It's starting to feel real to them. I know there's still some hurdles to clear, but are you starting to sort of get your mind wrapped around it or does it still feel like this entirely foreign concept? <laughs> um, I mean, if we're being honest, I, I, it, I'm not, my head is not wrapped around anything. <laughs> um, it just, it all feels so strange. You also watch other major leagues preparing and, and, and pausing and teams withdrawing. And so I think it's, I think it's very hard um, to mentally commit uh, to what's going on. Um, and maybe that's just me. I don't know. But yeah, it's very different. Well, I've heard guys say that, that it just it's felt strange coming back to sure. Columbus in a, the time when they normally would be heading up to the cabin. For sure. Or they would be well-established at the cabin. Um, but then they get into the rink. They feel the cool air of the rink, the smell of the rink. There's all their guys again. And now they've got skates on and now they're skating and it starts to feel somewhat normal, probably until they step back outside again and it's 93 degrees. 
yeah, so it's weird. So training camp is likely to start Monday. This, this, we should back up half a step. The CBA, it looks like it's going to be fully ratified. Uh, the players' vote could be complete today. It's a majority vote only needed. I don't think they're going to have any trouble getting there. These guys just want to play. So training camp should start Monday. Uh, the Blue Jackets, I'm told, will likely head to Toronto on the 26th of July. And that it depends on when their first game versus Toronto is. But probably they go on the 26th. And I, am I, Allison, I'm, am I right? The games, I don't know about the Blue Jackets games specifically, but the qualifying round starts August 1st? That is correct. Okay. Um, and then we're just going to work you sort of through the, the schedule of things. When that qualifying round is over, best of five, so around the, between the 7th and the 9th, I'm going to guess, uh, will be the second yep. lottery pick. And I could do a whole show on this because it's a fascinating topic. But who the eight teams that lose in the qualifying round, whoever they are, each have a 12.5% chance of winning the number one overall pick. Uh, and we assume that will be Alexis Lafreniere. Uh, the, the Blue Jackets, Correct. it's crazy to think. It would be if they lose in the qualifying round to Toronto, and I know nobody wants that to happen, but if they lose in the qualifying round, that would be the, they would have the fourth highest percentage chance at the number one overall pick in franchise history, which is incredible when you think about, A, how good this team is right now, how accomplished and deep they are, but B, also how bad this, this, this franchise has been at stretches during its first 20 years. So, that, that could be, if they lose in the first round, that becomes one of the biggest moments of the year uh, for Columbus, that second lottery. Then we get to the first round. Um, the, the qualifying round is not the playoffs. However, Allison, and you'll love this as a statistical guru, <laughs> the, the yep. statistics generated in that qualifying round are going to count as playoff statistics. Yeah. Thoughts, please. Well, I think, hmm, at least there's an answer, right? <laughs> because we didn't know this when this all got decided. But it's interesting, and you've talked about this in previous episodes, is that in a way this circumvents some contract yeah. ticks, right? Because if, if a player has more goals and it reaches a certain threshold that was set in their contract, that could trigger a bonus. Um, so there's that. Um, I, I think it's it's going to be very interesting for, for someone like me because of how we look at these kind of numbers. It's always going to be a little bit of a wrinkle that we might ultimately end up adjusting for. Um, but, it, I mean, look, it is what it is. Here we are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's crazy. I, I, I don't know how you factor that in that they're not playoffs, but the stats therein are, are playoff stats. Yeah, I think what you're going to – and this is where, you know, we talk about this a lot, but we talk about rate stats – where it's not they had 20 total goals, 20 total goals in the playoffs, it's going to have to be per game, right? Because this is going to be a wonky, this season is going to throw off the quote-unquote average number of playoff games the player yeah. can have. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, anyways. Um, so then the, the playoffs, the actual playoffs, would begin, say, August 10th, roughly. Uh, cup. The last day that the Stanley Cup could possibly be handed out 
is about the time when the season usually starts, October 2nd. The draft is four days later, October 6th. Free agency starts three days later, October 9th. Um, you talk about Fast and Furious. Uh, training camp would start November 17th. So six weeks after the season ended, the restart season. And next season, ten, these are all numbers generated from a, a wonderful story uh, by the Athletics' Craig Custance. Um, the regular season then would be set to start on December 1st, and the league is insisting they're going to play 82 games. Now, all of these dates, of course, are still pending approval of the, of the CBA. I think we should wisely say that all of these dates are subject to change based upon the virus, which doesn't give a damn if you want to play hockey uh, or what you want to do. It's kind of making its own rules, and we're helping it in this country right now. Um, but this is where it's at. Um, it, it feels it feels like there's a lot of momentum, and I just I hope that people are keeping things in the right perspective here. That safety needs to be held first, not just the desire to play. Um, Allison, when you see the story in Edmonton about the hospital one hospital closing itself to COVID patients because it's got too many. In Edmonton, they had a flare-up in that one specific hospital. Did you go, oh, boy, oh, boy, here it goes again because the MLS has had trouble restarting. Lots of baseball teams have, have had to take days off from spring training. And this is not a done deal yet. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, it's – look, it, there are people who say, you know – they're just trying to, to stop sports or people who are promoting caution don't, don't care about sports. I care about sports. You care about sports yeah. <laughs> personally and obviously professionally, but um, you, you, can't, you can't dictate to a virus. Um, the virus doesn't care if you're a football team and say, we're only going to play conference games <laughs> versus yes. not. Um, there can be caution taken for sure and you can hope for the best, but we ultimately have to side in favor of health. And, and there's a lot to this virus, even in terms of long-term effects sh for those who survive that we don't understand yet. And, you know, as all this stacks up, you just outlined a very, very compressed series of events that all kind of stair-step one upon another we there's no cushion in this plan right now and i think that we all have to expect that and i think this goes back to that idea of why maybe my mind isn't fully in this is that there's a very real chance that for any one team any one player any one league that there's enough of an impact that everything stops um and, and we have to respect that because while it would really suck i'd rather we go a year without sports and be as healthy and, and whole as, as a society as we can be and as hockey teams as we can be and as whatever everyone's job is can be um, versus try and force this to, to great, great damage to, to so yeah. many people. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, I mean, of course, this extends way beyond sports. This extends to the people that will be part of this um, by right. their jobs. I mean, just, it's just, man, it's, and I don't, I, I don't, 
I don't fault the league at all. I think the league honestly has done, and the players have said this repeatedly, have done a really good job in building this thing to this point. I think it's all been really well handled. I think they're going about it the right way. They're trying. It's their obligation to try. Um, right. And, right. And, but I, and everything they, they've done so far, I think we can say they have made the prudent sort of patient right call. Um, and I, I hope those cooler heads prevail because the, the closer it gets to being real, the harder it's going to be, I think, to hit the brakes, especially once there mm. are teams that have traveled to their hub cities. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm going about it like, I, I guess I'm looking at it like it's going to happen and it's hockey and it's my, my job, our job to write about hockey. Um, so training camp to me starts again on Monday. And we'll keep an yeah. eye on, on the other stuff. The, the, the day-to-day, sort of the notes you take at practice, the checklist, who's here. And you know how we do that, Allison. If you remember, it hasn't been that long. It's called coming back to me now. <laughs> like, I don't see stones. So do you see Kukin out there? Oh, there he is. Right. Don't feel, well, now it's not going to be, does somebody have um, a groin or somebody under the weather? It's going to be, oh, boy, why is so-and-so missing? Right. I mean, it's like this whole new reality that we'll be kicking around, but they should have 33 players, uh, maybe a couple more in camp on Monday when this thing starts. Uh, Nick Foligno arrived, uh, skated for the first time yesterday, uh, along with Savard, Wierenski, Savard and and, uh, Foligno just returned to the States on Sunday had to get tested, had to wait 48 hours after their test, uh, had to go through physicals, all this sort of stuff. And these guys are being tested almost every, well, I think every day um, at the rink. I've heard that the test here is a saliva test. Interesting. The test when they get to Toronto is (laughs) Is not the good one. (laughs) Deep brain tissue scrub test, which uh, Felino said he's he's he said the saliva test, oh, it's a breeze. I'm like, well, yeah. His brother had the nasal test and said, oh, my God. He said it was brutal. Um, and so yeah. that's what they're facing in Toronto. Um, so, yeah, hockey, hockey, hockey. Maybe it's here. It feels like it's kind of here. And we'll have certainly plenty of talk next week from camp if, if camp goes off. Um, just about what's, what's facing this team. And we'll start to look more, of course, at the matchup. We've sort of held back a little bit. Like, I'm, I don't, I think it's a touch early to start talking Blue Jackets Leafs matchup. Um, but that, yeah, just things go keep going. That's, uh, that's three weeks away that that would get started. Best of five series. Support for Front and Nationwide is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Big news, Manscaped just launched in Canada. So for those listeners in Canada, you can be one of the first Canadians to experience their life-changing products. Yes, the world's best below-the-belt trimmer is now available north of the border. The third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. Ouch. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery now lasts 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave. If you're listening to Front and Nationwide, I want you to experience this firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code 
theathletic at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use the code THEATHLETIC. Um, Allison, we took some time and published this morning a story about what the flat cap means to the Blue Jackets. And if you're an athletic subscriber, I certainly hope you are. Um, it, it, you'll see in markets across this league, a lot of people have written uh, a look at their story, at their team's story. What does the $81.5 million salary cap mean for next year? So not to get too CBA-like here, too CBAE uh, on people, but it, rather than plunge the cap down based upon the finances of this year alone, which would have brought it somewhere, <laughs> somewhere down to $65 million, which is, I know Oof. that's like, oh my God, how do you, that would be absolutely massive changes for, for teams. There would be buyouts all over the league. Um, You'd have three on yeah. three hockey Woo! for the entirety of the yeah. game. <laughs> three lines, two pairs. Yeah. Um, so they've spread it out over the next few years. And they've said that the cap is going to be 81.5 next year and will remain 81.5 next year. Uh, I'm sorry. In, in, in following years, until the league's revenues returned to $4.8 billion, which was anticipated this year. The cap was expected to go up somewhere between 84 and 88. So let's say 86. So this is a $4.5 million haircut, roughly, per team. That's doable for most, not for some. The Blue Jackets are in, are in decent shape with this. Now, what it's changed is this. So the Blue Jackets figured to have salary cap space after they re-signed their RFAs. And their prominent RFAs this summer are Pierre-Luc Dubois, Josh Anderson, and defenseman Vladislav Gavrikov. Once they have those three guys signed, they still figured to have some play money under the cap, five or six million bucks, that they could have been aggressive with, uh, either using that to provide relief for other teams as we've seen through the years, or using that to acquire a significant firepower at forward, which of course this team, we believe this team desperately needs. Um, that no longer, they no longer have that cushion to provide relief. Although I would suspect, and I'd like to ask you this, Allison, with that cap coming down, the teams that now have space under the cap, I think that's more, that's going to be more valuable than it's ever been. And I wonder what Detroit, Ottawa, and other teams like that might be able to do with that space that teams have not been able to do previously. Oh, absolutely. And, I, you know, it's even with Columbus being where they are at, just being able to know that status quo can be maintained yeah. is, is an asset, in my opinion. I mean, if you look at teams with big ticket players or players coming up who quote unquote earned big ticket contracts. Um, that's, that's, that's a hard situation, um, to be in. And I think that 
while Columbus isn't in the exact same spot that they were in before, and, and you and I have talked about this offline and a little bit on, on the show, even with trades, they still might have a little flexibility that yeah. other teams don't have. And that can be appealing to a player who wants to get what they believe they deserve. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's a plus right now for Columbus. Um, so I think it's really interesting. And I think this is such an interesting comment on management. Um, you, you'd see this in any industry dealing with a crisis like this is how do you zig when you thought you were going to zag? Yeah. Um, how do you respond to a change in the market? And I think we're really going to be able to see, um, of course, no one's going to tell us until after we see what the moves are that they made, but uh, it's going to be some really interesting insights in how each team's front office can change focus, can change their plan um, given what's happened with the cap. Yeah. The other thing too, like I, I'm all, you know, we, we look at teams. So just Tampa Bay has like, a million and a half left under the cap with only 15 players signed. Insane. Right. And so part of it is like, well, geez, they really screwed that up. Well, no, they just have a lot of really good players. Like that's exactly. the other side of it. Right. I mean, there's, exactly. there's really not, there's some guys in the team. You go, Ooh, that's a little steep, but they have a collection of, of sublime talent as we've seen or should have seen last spring. Um, but I'm Yeah. St. Louis has to get creative now to keep Petrangelo, like yeah. really creative, where they might have to either let him walk or let two other guys walk to keep him. The, the, we talked about this all season. Before COVID hit, it was like the Capitals can't keep Braden Holby. Right, right. That's done. Well, that's way out the window now. Like there's no yeah. way that's happening. I would not want to be a free agent this year. No. Oh, no. It is a depressed market. The other – but let me so backing up to the Blue Jackets, I I try to keep in mind all of these things. Though it, it's a it's a chunk of money, it's a commodity, and the Blue Jackets go into this off season, I think primed to make several trades, and if you talk to people across the league, they believe that 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 that's going to happen. That that is the approach. Maybe they've already heard from the Blue Jackets in this regard. They have a plethora of defensemen. They have to move defense this summer. It's too much. It's too crowded. Now, I don't know if it's Savard. I think Savard's the one that gets you the most return that you would be willing to move. I don't think they want to move. I know they don't want to move Jones or Wierenski. They don't want to move Gavrikov. I wouldn't think he's going to be cheap for a couple more years. But, you know, what can you get for Savard and, say, Josh Anderson together? And the number of teams that could could handle that, I, I don't think has changed because the, they would be money in, money out trades. So the Blue Jackets' flexibility isn't so much financial, but they've got a lot of pieces that they can they can they can play around with in order to sort of rebalance their roster. But the the commodity of cap room of an abundance of cap room has faded a little bit, uh, faded a lot because of, of COVID. But again, that, that's, that's not specific to them. That's all across the league. It's taken off that, that top layer of elbow room that these teams had. And it's going to be fascinating to see how teams fight and struggle to get under that salary cap number and some of the curious moves 
that that uh, they have to make. Um, I, I I think we're talking about how unpredictable these games could be, Allison. The qualifying round in the playoffs. My God, once the games are over, the real unpredictability could hit. Yeah, I, I mean, and and I think you know I, I mentioned this in one of our other shows. Uh, the hindsight of what happened with this team this past season, the narrative was already out there of, well, look, they showed the league who said they were going to be nothing without, you know, marquee free agents on the roster. Then they, they ended up having a cushion of cap. I mean, imagine if they had signed Bobrovsky and or Panarin to those big contracts right now. Um, But, but the other plus here too, to your point of all these trades and how it's going to be interesting as much as in the midst of it, it was crazy and we were shaking our heads and just in disbelief and also concern over people's health. All those injuries means that the league saw a large number of players in this organization play at the NHL level and yeah. succeed. And that elevates those players, potentially elevates those players' capital value, trade value mm-hmm. when it comes to making these moves when that, as you have said, becomes how you have to deal in this off season versus having cap room to sign a free agent, for example. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I keep coming back to, and I don't see any signs of this in Columbus uh, with the McConnell family who own the blue jackets, the majority owner. We, we, we just assume that everybody's a cap team now. Right. 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 And this this uh, economic downturn because of COVID, I think we lose sight sometimes. We see the small business owner, we see the mom and pop shop that closes, and I'm not asking for sympathy on that grand scale for these billionaire owners, but simply to realize that that they don't like to lose money either, <laughs> and I. I wonder, they really don't like to lose money, Allison. And I wonder how many of them have, irrespective of the salary cap, have changed what their budget is going to be. And and, in other words, no, 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 your cap is an 81.5. Your cap, because of, of my financial picture, is now this. It's now 72. Get there. I wonder if we see that around the league because there are a lot of owners. They have a lot of money, but there's a lot of owners around the league that have lost a lot of money in the last six months too. Absolutely. And, and you know, again, it comes to how you may, I mean, look at, and, and I'm not even a big major league baseball fan, but look at what happened there yeah. with the CBA and asking players to cut what they were getting. So hundred percent, it's going to be just as I talked about how it's going to be interesting to look at the management of rosters given a change dictated by crisis, the business side of this, the pure, pure business side of this is also going to be something that honestly might take two or three years to really understand what owners decided, but it's going to be something to watch. Yeah. Yeah. They may set their own cap. I mean, they teams used to talk about the, their internal cap. Right. uh, Being different than the salary cap. And you wonder if some teams in some markets might, might see that this year and, and in the next couple of years. Um, Allison, what intrigues you? What are you watching for now in these next few days? Is it positive tests? Is it which players are going to opt out, if any? 
what's on your radar in terms of what you're most interested in? Yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's those things we're obviously going to watch for the ratification, which we presume will go forward, as you said, of, of the CBA and, and return to play plan. Um, I've, I've mentioned this. We, we talked with Brian Giesenslag about this. I think it should be okay for hockey players to speak out more concretely if they have concerns about return to play. Yeah. Um, and, and I'd, it, it, this may be selfish, but part of me would love to see it because then, you know, everyone's taking it seriously as well. So I'm hopeful that, that that message comes out from, from some players. Um, obviously the testing is going to be huge, but I think for me, at this point, because we know player teams have been skating and players have had to go through protocols to return. I think that will be more of something to watch when teams travel to these bubble hub cities. Right. Um, how, how does this intermix, how safe can it be? How safe can it be when you have people working at the hotel, f- preparing your food, et cetera, so forth? How much can we control it? it, it arguably there could even be some lessons for the, for the greater group of us. Um, in terms of how we can return to some normal activities if we follow some really strict guidelines of interaction. So the, yeah, but I think, I think the idea of lines and stuff like that, that's a week and a half away, yeah. <laughs> but right now it's all about safety. Yeah. As uh, in a chat with Felino, eh, where are we? What is today? Who am I? Friday uh, <laughs> earlier this week, he was predicting that this is not going to be a classic Tortorella camp. No way. That this, that he just, he said, I think he's smart enough to know this isn't a normal training camp. We just have to get our team and get ready. Uh, we're not trying to fight for spots right now. And guys need to understand that. Hmm. We, I don't know. I'm like, that. that That's my interesting. Ears, my ears perked up there because I'm like, it is going to be really interesting to see now healthy what this team looks like versus what it looked like when they played in Vancouver their last game before the pause like and arguably that's all i would think camp would be about because they've got 806 players (laughs) yeah no i think i think what he's i think the point he's making is that this can't be this is going to be a conditioning camp kind of but Mm -hmm. more it's just going to be getting a getting the blood going camp because they they it's a tight turnaround and nobody you can't get hurt you don't want people to get hurt um and then he got funny. He said, uh, we need to be ready to go. You've seen us the first week of a typical torts training camp. We couldn't beat an East coast league team. <laughs> um, Cause their legs are just jello. So yeah, th- this camp will be, I want to see how torts runs this. And I want to see to Felino's point, like where do, are they sticking with Wenberg on the, wing with Dubois. Remember that? Yep. Yep. Like there's so many things that at the end you're like, Oh, right. Um, where Merzlikens played really well in Vancouver in a must win almost for them uh, before they headed home to play Pittsburgh, the game that didn't happen. Yeah. What do we learn? Are we going to learn about the, their goaltending preference in this camp? Based upon rotation, they're going to have. I get. I, you'd have to think they're going to play inter-squad games, right? 
some they're they're going to have to scrim they're going to have to have some kind of competition before yes. they get to the bubble i would think absolutely and each team gets one game before the qualifying i it's it's also i confuse, i mean i think and then you, then you get into this like you get one game but then our teams are going to be trying gamesmanship right like i'm not going to reveal what my lines are for the of course they are yeah of course they <laughs> yeah. are yeah um yeah i mean can you just dress the typical, you know, 12, 6, 2. Right. And uh, that's maybe all the room there is on the bench, but you wonder what those those games are going to look like. But they've got to get up to speed somehow without crushing themselves. So that it, camp is going to be interesting, not just in how they go about it um, fitness-wise and, and how tough Tortorella skates them, but in what, ro- what roles that seemed in place um, – are no longer in place. I would assume, I, I don't think there's going to be many surprises. You can sit down and write the lines out for this team when they're healthy. And I think that's what it's going to look like. But Wierenski will be back with Jones again. That wasn't going to happen. Bjorkstrand yeah. back in the lineup. Yep. Uh, Texier, Bemstrom. I mean, you could go on and on. Uh, they've got a lot of pieces uh, back now that they did not have when they stopped playing. So camp could be really interesting in that respect. Camp 2.0, that is. Um, so that's what I'm, that's what I'm looking for. Uh, Allison, anything else we need to get to? I think that's it. We're just waiting for that final green light. And then, uh, it'll be interesting too, to see, uh, how, how, how this camp goes, because even for us to protect us and protect the the team and the team employees, it's going to be a little bit of a different experience, uh, covering this period of time. So, yeah. uh, certainly won't be the same old, same old. You got that right. All right. Rapid fire, uh, Questions for you. Uh oh. Okay. What percentage of the NHLPA approves this plan? We may not get a number. My guess is if it's super positive, we'll get we'll get right. a number. If it's sort of yeah, that was a close call, we probably won't. But throw it out there just in case. Seventy six. I'm going to say eighty nine. Whoa. Okay. Are we going to take bets on this? We should have a wager. That's fine. Um, <laughs> Uh, You're so but, excited. But then we probably need a third category. And my, what was my second question going to be? It was a great, oh, how many players total across the league are going to opt out? So we have 24 times 30, right? Mm-hmm. That's, so 750-ish. Yeah. Um, test positive at any point in time? No, not test positive, but opt out. Say I'm oh, opt out. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's 720 if my math is right. 720. Um, gosh. Unfortunately, I'm going to say zero. Wow. I th- I'll say four. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Do we need another category? Or are we good? Well, I threw out something. How many players do you think test positive? At any point during this? At any point during this. Where are we at right now? 35? Uh, 32, 35, something like that. Yeah. yeah. I'll say 106. I'll say 180. <laughs> what a bizarre and unfortunate. $1. One dollar. <laughs> Bizarre and unfortunate group of guesses and bets these are. Uh, you started it. <laughs> okay, I did, clearly. All right, we'll, re- we'll revisit these uh, soon. Excellent, hopefully. Yeah, well, the and one we can't do until the end. Right, But right. Yeah, so, okay. Well, Allison, always good to chat with you. Likewise, my friend. Folks, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you on Tuesday.